everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Sparks of Madness. I'm Graham Rayner, the host. Um, this is my podcast about comedians um, from all levels of the industry talking about their experiences of mental health and how the two things go hand in hand. Um, and this week's guest is probably the newest comedian we've had on at the time of recording, uh, which was back earlier in November. Um, this guy had gigged, I think, 25 times, which in terms of comedy is really very much a novice. Um, I know that is not meant in any disrespectful way, it's just starting out really at the very beginning of things. Um, and you'll hear us talk about that in the, the episode. Uh, podcast guest is called Nick Harper, um, and Nick is a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand um, and moved across to the UK um uh, right at the beginning of just before the pandemic started, really, he's a doctor, um, and his move from New Zealand to the UK was to be a doctor in the NHS. And because of the admin and stuff, as you'll hear in the episode, um, he basically started just as COVID hit. Started working in our NHS just as COVID hit, and has been on the front line in COVID wards. Uh, which is why I felt this was a timely and interesting episode to do. And while he was basically waiting for all the admin to be completed to effectively convert him from being a, a doctor over in New Zealand to being a doctor here, because apparently our bodies work very, very differently or some bullshit, um, he decided to embark on a, a comedy career and, and has started doing comedy. Um, and you'll hear about how that's gone for him, how that's worked out for him, plus his issues with, with mental health at the same time, which I'd imagine... And knowing, as I do, um, people who work in the NHS, it's probably been quite hard since March 2020 not to experience some kind of mental health impact of what's been going on because the world became a very crazy, fucked up and scary place and remains it today. Um, so it's just a caveat, I have a vested interest in in uh, kind of showing some love to the NHS because my, my wonderful brother-in-law, Andrew, is a junior doctor in uh, NHS Scotland up in Glasgow um, and has been again, on COVID wards and HDU and, and ICU wards throughout the pandemic at various times. And, and the stories I've heard are, are ones that are profoundly distressing and moving. So just take this opportunity to thank everyone, really, as everyone, right, forward thinking has done. Um, thank those guys working in NHS for the last two years and all times, of course, but even more so lately. Um, and uh, this, this episode, I suppose, is for you. It's one of your own. So um, without much more waffle, I have been waffling on apologies. Um, Please welcome to the podcast, Nick Harper. Welcome to the uh, latest episode of Sparks of Madness, and today my guest is Nick Harper. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Thank you. Um, thanks for doing the episode. Um, I, no um, I We haven't met, just to be clear to the listeners. We've not experienced each other's comedy or anything like that before, but I was intrigued um, to hear about um, your situation, uh, which we'll go into in detail. But basically, my understanding is you're relatively new to comedy. You're also relatively new to being an NHS doctor, and you started both around about the same time as a global pandemic hit. Is that a pretty good nutshell summary? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. Um, so I, um, yeah, I emigrated over from New Zealand, and um, I basically was was sitting around because I, to, in order to um, become a doctor here, I had to sit a bunch of exams, which meant I had to sit around for about sort of six months studying. And, and while I was doing that studying, I, I realized there was these comedy courses and things that I could do and and I thought I'd always been been interested in that so I ended up doing the doing the comedy courses so and, you've um, moved halfway around the world yeah um were you already a doctor in New Zealand or yeah yeah I was for a couple of years okay so you've you've obviously got the medical experience and then you've had to do I suppose the equivalent of like a conversion course to to treat people in the UK is that because we're massively different medically in this country or was that just yeah yeah just anatomy is completely different of English people you know, it's, all, <laughs> it's all reversed fair <laughs> enough um and you decided to use that downtime or that sort of um limbo time 
um, to to start doing comedy. What made you want to get into comedy? You say you had an interest. What sort of form did that interest take? Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've always just enjoyed watching comedy. Um, I think you have to have a pretty sort of uh, uh, sort of macabre sense of humour, especially working in in hospitals and things. So. Um, yeah, and, and part of it was just because I was—I didn't want—I, you know, I should have been studying, but I was—it it got quite boring. So I wanted something else to do, and I like to—I like getting up on stage. So excellent. Um, the, the macabre sense of humour is something I'm definitely intrigued by. I was listening um, to uh, Jimmy Carr um, on a podcast. He's been doing the, the rounds to promote his his book. Um, mm. I think it's called Before and Laughter or Before the Laughter. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how um, comedy is best when you need it, I suppose. Um, and that the people that sort of, a lot of the people who tend to enjoy his shows the most are people who work in those areas where maybe their their job allows them or needs them to have a bit of a darker sense of humour. So, yeah. you know, he talked about things like doctors and first responders and people like that. So is it something that you've always kind of had... Um, workplace humor that um other people from outside your workplace might look at and be a bit shocked by then yeah yeah absolutely i mean in in the sort of staff room or um yeah with any sort of work colleague i mean often you'll be out at the pub with with a bunch of um a bunch of other um doctors and then you'll you'll have to you know you'll have to realize you'll have to sort of um realize what you're saying in the general public and have to tone it down a bit i think because it can yeah you you can get a bit sort of a bit silly and there is a fine tradition as well of doctors who've who've gone on to to be comedians though um there's phil hammond harry hill probably the most famously paul sinner um and yeah. recently actually which is probably most relevant would be adam Kay, who um sort of hit the comedy circuit having kept diaries of his time as a junior doctor yeah and effectively yeah, was performing those diaries um and it's come sort of become quite well known for that. So, what do you make of you know not wanting to do a political podcast? But what do you make of the NHS compared to life in New Zealand? Then, um, I mean, I think it's pretty similar. To be honest, the the health system. I mean, we've got a similar public health system, um, which is you know entirely publicly funded. Um, so, uh, I think there's yeah a, a lot of like a lot of British doctors came w- would come to New Zealand when I was working there and talk about how how harrowing it was to work in the NHS, but I haven't really found that at all, to be honest. Like, it's sort of, it's par, par for par, really, or par yeah. for the course. Uh, you not enough money, not enough resources, too many ill people. Yeah, exactly. And it, but, but it also... It, what America's got. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the, um, yeah, that's the standard, isn't it? If, you could, if you're not as bad as America, then, then you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> superb. And are you, do you specialise in a particular area, or are you... Uh, not not at the moment, no. I've, I've sort of done, um, I think I'm in my fourth year out of medical school um, and I'm at the point where most of my friends that I did medical school with are, are specialising and becoming specialists in this and that, but I just haven't really haven't really picked a path and I don't I don't really know if I will anytime yeah. soon, to be honest. Yeah, my um, my brother-in-law, is a, he's a junior doctor in the NHS. I think he's a, must be three coming on four years out of of med school um he's yeah. in nhs scotland um but um yeah he's not specialized either and he's been an interesting person to be able to talk to during the pandemic i suppose uh, because you yeah. get an inside track on on everything um yeah. so when you started comedy and you mentioned you did the course what sort of course was it was it you know, uh it was, with it was a view just performing straight away or yeah yeah i mean i was i was um uh i was interested in it because it, it um had like a he arranged a show at the end of it so it was sort of like a six-week course yeah. Um, and then at the end of that, he arranged a show where, where an audience came and, and that was sort of the main thing that I wanted was, um, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a safer environment than just going to any random open mic and just trying yeah. it out there. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you've but, had a little bit of a grounding first. I, I did a, a, an eight week course before I started and yeah, much for the same reason that partly as well, because I, I didn't really know how to just rock up to an open mic night what you did I didn't know the process so part of the yeah. benefit of a comedy course I think for those listening who, who might be considering one is as well as kind of learning some stagecraft you're also learning a little bit from someone who knows how the industry works yeah um, yeah definitely because I would never for example have thought that Facebook is the effectively the LinkedIn for comedy <laughs> uh, certainly at the lower levels of the you know when you're starting out yeah. if you're not on Facebook then 
you know, you're not you're not going to get booked um, because that's where all the ads are and where all the people are and all the networking is. And you know, Definitely, my yeah. wife still gets baffled by how many Facebook friends I have that I've never met, <laughs> like yourself now, as we are yeah. now today for Facebook yes. friends. It's just how it works. Um, I suppose the other thing as well is that the comedy courses don't teach you to be funny. Um, you know, you're either funny or you're not, but they can teach you how to maybe strip away some of the the unfunny stuff. Yeah, um, and some of the tricks of the trade, I suppose. But what sort of style of comedian would you say you are then? Um, I've been doing mostly sort of um, like storytelling, I guess, um, which I definitely learned a lot in the course because I I thought my stories were hilarious and, and I realised I'd get up there and talk for two minutes and, and maybe, you know, two or three parts of it were funny and then the rest of it was just filler. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely like a, a very good learning point for me. Um my most recent gig, I um, did. I tried some character comedy, so I went dressed as a, um, a superhero um, who was supposed to be. Uh, basically, the story is that um, he's a an NHS doctor who. Um, it's a big leap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, he's, so basically, um, he's gotten what? What's the word? He got so used to being called a hero throughout the pandemic that um, he's adopted the superhero persona, and now he's trying to sort of live out his superhero fantasies. And does he have any superpowers, or does he just not and doesn't realise it? He doesn't. He's got no idea. He's yeah. <laughs> I could that's, that could have some mileage. Uh, really good, but but like all characters, the proof will be in the pudding. And I suppose it will be the, the thing about character acts is that sometimes they take years to perfect. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think what you said about stripping away, you know, learning what's filler and what's not. It's very easy if, you, especially if you're comfortable speaking, to go on stage and say nothing for yeah. a long time. Yeah. You know, say it's just waffle. Um, and and you can lose people like that. So learning to sort of listen to an audience while you're on there and strip away the bullshit and stuff and, and, yeah, and you know be funny is great. Now, um, do you talk about obviously you've got a character that's an NHS doctor, but when you're not doing the character stuff, do you talk about work on stage or? Uh, I do. I sort of had this funny thing where I started out and I was like, I'm not going to talk about it because in a way I felt like I was I was like cheating if you know what I mean, like. Yeah. Um, if you say if you say you're a doctor, people are automatically interested in what you've got to. Well, not always, but often people are automatically interested in yeah, what you've got to say. What have you found inside someone's ass or something? Like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's that's the main question. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so in a way, I I started out and I was like, I'm not going to mention it because because in a way it attracts. You know, it's it's it, yeah. It felt like I was cheating. Um, but then yeah. I quickly realized that um cheating is a lot easier and um you you get a lot of interesting jokes that um. That work quite well out of yeah out of what happens at work and 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 you'll have stories and anecdotes that you can automatically and and you can you can embroider around the edges and you can embellish but they will be naturally funny and and people want to hear them yeah um so I think it's not like you've been given a cheat code to comedy because again you could just not be funny you could yeah. still you could go on and talk about stuff and be really kind of um, sterile and dull and boring so if, yeah, you, if yeah. you're good you're good that's it so um. Your your sort of um, mental health wise then because obviously this is a podcast about comedy and mental health and yeah. how they're linked together. Uh, what sort of <laughs> issues? Have you, the the question I sometimes ask is what flavor of fucked up are you? <laughs> That's good actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should send it to the um, psychiatrist. They might. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I I basically have had uh, sort of, well uh, yeah anxiety and and depression for. Um, for many many years, um, but it got it got a lot worse during um, during medical school. Basically, um, it's sort of a, a culture of it's a very competitive culture and one where you're always getting sort of compared to your peers and yeah. you're always getting sort of tested and you always feel like you're about to fail horribly, you know, um, which is a, just a brilliant thing for someone with anxiety to go through. Yeah, it's a good job that you've done something like comedy, which is nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to yeah. think maybe I, I maybe I'm doing it to myself in a way. Um. <laughs> I mean, what? So you're 25 gigs in. You must already have learned that, according to um, certainly social media, every comedian smashes every gig, never has a bad gig. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've just smashed this gig in front of three people who didn't laugh once. <laughs> and you know, we're all, I suppose, we're all a little bit guilty of that because you're trying to sell yourself as well but yeah. yeah in terms of competition and 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 um being sort of judged against your peers you know that sounds like a a template for comedy as well as as medical school but yeah and what what how did so i've suffered from anxiety and depression myself which is probably the you know when doing this podcast particularly it's the common or garden issue faced by most people that i speak to yeah um, so and that's not to say it's not interesting or anything but it's certainly probably the most prevalent one 
but it does manifest itself in different ways. It affects people in different ways. So while you were you were studying, I know that med school it, or med studies are really intense, really um, you know time consuming, energy consuming, and all of that. Mm. How did you find that your mental health issues affected your ability to study and do well? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's sort of uh, if if you're constantly in your own head just worrying that you're not good enough and you're sitting there trying to study or you're sit, you're, you're there with a patient or, or whatever you, you just can't like you can't take the stuff you can't take things in you know you yeah. can't actually learn things the way that you need to you, you need to have like a clear mind and sit down um with the books but yeah so anxiety just just made it just made me really so unproductive you know i i probably could have um could have done a lot better if I had just learnt to to live with my anxiety, and and how how ultimately how have you learned to live with it? How is it? Are you are you medicating? Are you doing other things? What what yeah, things no. work for you? Um, yeah, lots of things. Right, basically, I I am on medication. Um, I take I always had problems sleeping, so I actually take something at night to help me sleep, which is called quetiapine, which is actually like an antipsychotic. Um, okay. but you take it at a low dose, and it just it just sort of um. It makes you a bit drowsy, and then I also take something for for um, anxiety as well, like a SSRI. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just try and try and do a lot of. I mean, I say I try. I don't. I often don't succeed, but you know, my my I try to do mindfulness exercises and um, exercise and yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, but and, it, and the, the crazy thing about those things is, I suppose, crazy is the wrong word to use in a mental health podcast, but fuck it. Um, the the thing about those. You know, exercise and mindfulness and all of that is that they are much easier to do when you're already well. Yeah, exactly. If you're trying to get well, motivating yourself to go out for a run or a swim or to sit and do some mindfulness or do even like a yoga or a Pilates, whatever works for you, yeah. to actually take that first step is it's like being at the foot of a mountain sometimes. So, and if you're trying to balance that against the intensive sort of medical studies and also while you're studying for medicine you're in hospitals most of the time working yeah um it must have been really tricky um so yeah it was know, well done for getting coming through it I yeah. suppose, <laughs> the extent you have yeah i mean that um, uh, I, I didn't i didn't learn the uh, d- during medical school it was booze that got me through <laughs> it wasn't those yeah. things that, that was my yeah. yeah that was my crux there yeah yeah, well, that's that's common as well, isn't it? I suppose. Um, and, yeah. and the one thing about med students is that they're known for um, being able to to party hard. Yes. Um, and and I suppose that while you're doing that, you're probably not. It's, it's probably a slightly vicious circle, but at least you you're in a circle, not a flat line. I suppose. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, interesting. So, uh, in terms of of um, all of those things that that affected you mental health wise would you say that was relatively common among people who were studying for medicine as well was that something that yeah you felt like a lot of your peers were dealing with as well i mean i i would think so and um sort of studies that you look at well (laughs) yes like there's evidence to um suggest that but not no one would admit it at the time if you know what i mean it's it's that competitive um environment so no one yeah you got to slap a brave face on and, and you don't want anyone to see a, a chink in the armor or any weakness or yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so um i yeah I, and also i wouldn't have noticed anyway because i i was you know struggling so much with my own stuff um but yeah i'm i'm sure it does i'm sure it's very very common sure so fast forward then obviously that was all um over in in new zealand um you moved over to the uk yeah and and was the move specifically to to move to the UK and become a doctor here? Uh, yeah, that's no. right. So my um my partner, her family live over here. So we sort of we did the move um to be a bit closer right. to them, and, and also sort of to experience um living in the UK, living in London, um which got shut down pretty uh pretty quickly. <laughs> so when when did you hit our shores then? How how long uh, were you over here before COVID hit? It was mid two thousand and nineteen, I want to say. She was still effectively just bedding in. Yeah, yeah. When something we still don't know what went wrong in China. Yes, <laughs> and, and the world turned to shit for what is now coming up for two years. And yeah, um, and so I suppose it's it's difficult to know what to ask next. Really, in terms of of dealing with anxiety, depression, a massive geographical move. Mm. 
and then a global pandemic hits. Mm. How since you've been in the UK, how has your mental health been? Yeah, it's been pretty up and down. <laughs> I won't yeah. lie. Um, that, it's quite funny because that the the first sort of um, however long I was here, six months or whatever that I was studying, um, I was basically at home all the time um, while everyone else was going out, and then yeah. almost like basically the, the the week that I started in hospitals. Um, it, everything switched. Everyone else was at home all the time and I was suddenly going out to hospitals. <laughs> so did you start in hospitals around the end of March then? Uh, yeah, that's in right. I, li- literally, it was it was the week the um, the week that COVID happened was the, the was the week that I, you know, the week that it started getting taken <laughs> seriously. So, that is timing. Man. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I, I started the week doing sort of like, um, you know, general medical shifts and by the end of the week I was on a COVID ward and that was my full-time uh, job. So that's, I mean, that in in itself, being on a COVID ward, I know, again, from speaking to my brother-in-law, that's just the, another level of kind of intensity, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, don't say it's the wrong way, but you wish you'd never come, given <laughs> how very, vastly differently um, New Zealand and the UK have handled the pandemic and the different results they've had. Is there part of you that just thinks, shit, if I just waited a few years... <laughs> Yeah, well, you're not you're not the first person to ask me that. Um, <laughs> but I think if I had if I hadn't done it, then I would have never had gotten to um, into comedy. Um, yeah. But also at the moment, you I don't mean, think it'd happen if you'd stayed home. I don't think that, that, I mean, there there are opportunities to do it, but not to the same extent. You know, in in especially living in London, I could go and to an open mic every night of the week if I wanted to. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have that same opportunity um, in New, in most parts of New Zealand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and, and, and also looking at how New Zealand are doing now, which is they're now they've held it off for um, the two years, and now it's going to start trickling in slowly. And they've just they've just realised that their sort of strategy of keeping it out um, isn't working that well. And so it's yeah, you can't say forever you, it will never yeah. hit. It's just not realistic in a you can't be modern a, world, is it? You can't stick a wall around the entire island. Exactly, you can't be a hermit kingdom forever. So yeah, so now they're yeah, they're yeah. going to start opening things up and and hopefully um hopefully they can sort of handle it. Yeah, but I mean I don't think it would have yeah. necessarily left left me any better off. Sure. Well, I mean again with that one, still political past podcast. <laughs> very very much in envy of um your head of state yes <laughs> as opposed to our um it was certainly, you know if, if you gave me a choice between you know Jacinda Ardern or Boris Johnson it's never going to be a, a pro-British choice yeah. state, <laughs> but anyway um she, she certainly seems to have, have had her head screwed on but like you say I suppose there's that you can't be naive and say it's never going to hit but at least now, I mean you have two years to prepare as a country um you know get everyone vaccinated and hope for the best I suppose. yeah exactly. we digress anyway um <laughs> So tell me about your first gig then. Presumably it was sort of a showcase at the end of your course. Um, yeah. How did it go? What, what was the sort of emotion and the feeling you had? Um, it was, it actually went, re- uh, it re- went really well. Um, I was supposed to be on sort of, I think there was maybe 15 or so acts. And I think I was supposed to be on in the, just in the second half. Um, but for some reason, I, I just, the, the organizer changed it around at the very last minute and said, okay, you're going to be going on last so I sort yeah. of started my first gig feeling like I was headlining, um, yeah. uh, which was... You can take that, in my opinion, you can take that as um, an endorsement from the person running the course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's You're going to bring home the show well. Yeah, yeah, um, hopefully. Um, yeah. And there was, yeah, I had a lot of nervous energy around it, but um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the fact that we, I'd been through the course with all the same people and then you were seeing them perform and... It was really nice to see how sort of everyone had progressed from our sort of practice sessions and stuff. So there was actually, yeah, there, while it was quite um, a nervous time, it was also, you know, really, really happy as well. And how many, um, how many people were in? Was it a big audience? Uh, it wasn't a massive audience. It was, uh, it was in like the downstairs of a pub. Uh, I'd say yeah. there's probably an audience of about maybe thirty or so people. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was, it was. I mean, but for the for the size of the room, which was quite small, it seemed like there was a big crowd. You know. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it was a really enjoyable experience. Good. And and so you go on, you do your first set. What's the you know, talk me through how you feel afterwards. Um for me I felt um quite elated actually. Yeah. Um yeah, I just just that sort of um I just I think I described it as, as being on cloud nine. <laughs> to my partner yeah. um just sort of yeah just just that sort of i i think because there's so much stress and stuff building up to it you you get this sort of um reflex feeling of um just just bliss almost yeah it's hard to explain i think to 
someone who hasn't done live performance of some form, yeah. what it feels like. But I mean, I've done sort of stuff musically um, and stuff in terms of sort of theatre, and even they don't compare. And I think there's something really unique about you know you're on stage, you're on your own, you haven't got most most comedians go on and just talk. Yeah. Obviously, some people do musical acts or prop comedy or character comedy or whatever. But if you're just on there talking as yourself, yeah. it feels to me like when it goes well, the feeling you get afterwards is all yours. Yeah, definitely. That's you know you feel like you've really earned that, yeah. and and that sort of validation, that endorsement, that those endorphins that kick in are kind of pure and and earned. And um, it's something weird about it. I find it. I mean, I've I've been doing comedy for um, sort of coming up three years, three years next month. Yeah. Um, Although half of that time has been in COVID, so it feels a bit <laughs> weird. Um, but um, I still find it hard after a gig to kind of almost, I suppose, come down is the right word, the right phrase. Yeah. You know, the easiest gigs to come down from are the ones where I've had to drive a dist- distance to and I can kind of sure. decompress in the car on the way back and then I can come home. But if I'm relatively close to home, um, I find it quite hard to just to come home and just go to bed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Kind of yeah, yeah. replay in the night. and Yeah. Wanting to talk about it, or yeah, or um, you know, watch watch back some of the stuff, or, or speak to the other acts that were on, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's weird. Um, have you? So you've done sort of twenty five gigs. So you, you're still relative newcomer. Yeah, you're still in your, in your fledgling. Definitely. Um, have you have you had any nightmare gigs so far? Um, yeah, I've had a couple. Um, I mean, I describe them as nightmares. I've, I've, I've a couple of them. I've watched the videos back, and and they haven't been as bad as I thought. Um, but you get that sort of that bit bit where you sort of forget what you're going to say, and you just have this like yeah. horrible, anxious, almost almost feel like you're having a panic attack. Um, uh-huh. And I've had I've done that a couple of times, and then I've managed to bring it back round. Um, but that sort of that feeling of that s- still sort of lingers afterwards. Yeah. Um, and then I've had a couple where I think I did a gong show and um, I got up and literally after my first line, someone heckled me <laughs> and I just, yeah. I just got, I, I, just, I got quite angry, you know, and, and then I, I think it was after, I think we had about two minutes um, before the gong, before the, they could do the gong. Um, but I, yeah. I gave it about 30 seconds and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm giving up. <laughs> and I just walked off the stage. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, gongs are, gongs are a funny, funny beast. Um, they really are. They're great if you win them. They, generally mean nothing if you don't yeah. but the the damage they can do to your <laughs> kind of self-esteem and confidence yeah. is huge yeah. um and like i did um i've done a few not not huge ones but i did did a few that i where i beat the gong and you walk away thinking well you know i didn't win but at least i did yeah. that and the promoter noticed me and paid me a compliment or whatever and then i did uh, the comedy store in manchester and and that was probably my worst ever oh, gig really yeah. i got to like sort of two two and a half minutes and the first card went up, and I sh- I just sort of I, I started panicking yeah. and feeling like I'd got to cram stuff in, sped up, and got more nervous, and 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 came away thinking, you know, I've I've just played one of the venues that was on my list to play, yeah. and I've I've fucked it, and it's my fault because I didn't I wasn't, but it's because the previous two gongs I'd done I hadn't even been carded, let alone gone, yeah. so I went in thinking I'm going to get to do my full five and it's going to go well, yeah. and then it didn't, and and I think that it took me a little while to to me a few days to get my head around the fact that it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Um, because no one, no one's going to remember that you got gonged off. It's not like, it's not memorable because there's t- 20 people on the night. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Um, and, and the next week there's 20 more. So it's, it's a funny, funny sort of um, environment, the gong show. Yeah. But uh, what was interesting when you mentioned about having a, a, maybe a couple of shows where you've watched it back and it didn't look as bad as you thought. Mm. That, I suppose, from my point of view, that's, creatively that's a really good sign i think because you know where you've gone wrong against your own bar yeah. your own standards but if you've styled it out with the audience and they haven't seen it yeah that's a sign of a, an assured performer and a good performer and whatever and actually that then you're all the, we mentioned earlier about all the people who smash every gig according yeah, to facebook yeah. but if you can actually be honest and say i don't think i did as well as i should have done tonight i was a bit unhappy with x y and yeah. z you're constantly improving and constantly working, and yeah. you know. And I suppose in your situation, if you die at a gong show, like you, know, you go for thirty seconds, you know, compared to a catastrophic error in your day job, <laughs> you've got a really good barometer of what's important. Yeah. And, at least it's just me dying. Um, yeah, exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Um, no PPE required, you know. <laughs> Although sometimes you might feel like it is. Um, so, in terms of um, 
how your anxiety and depression plays out? Do you feel it affects you as as a performer at all? And if so, how? Um, I think it is definitely um, easy to get in. Like if you've had a bad gig, then it's easy to get very in your own head about it um, and get quite, you can get quite low about it. But, but as you're saying, like it just, it just, you just need to keep reminding yourself that actually this doesn't, this doesn't matter. No, no one's yeah. going to remember this. I'm probably never going to see the, these audience members again. <laughs> so, so it sort of affects you after after the fact, after the yeah. And, but I mean, also, it, I mean, also, obviously, I get anxious. Um, <coughs> I get anxious preparing for a gig. Um, but in a way, that's quite. I, I find it quite helpful. I find if I'm not anxious preparing preparing for a gig, then I'm you know I'm not going to be prepared for it. Um, so that's, that's a different, that's different to sort of ang- the, the other sort of anxiety that I get. It's, it's almost like a, a jittery, like I want to do well anxiety. Yeah. Uh, uh, and one that you can sometimes use. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you can, I think most, most live performers would sort of say, if you can harness the energy from the pre gig kind of angst or whatever you want to call yeah. it and use it, that sometimes helps you, gives you an edge to. Yeah, to go on and and you know I'm I'm relatively high energy as a performer in terms of you know I go on I'm loud I'm confident yeah. and I'm you know I'm not running around the stage or anything like that but I'm not sort of I'm relatively quick paced I'm sure and sometimes it, it's not often I get particularly nervy before a show unless I've maybe unless the you know people before who I know are, are good have struggled right. because of the audience yeah. or because of the mood in the room or whatever um sometimes that can be like oh shit if 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 you know, so and so who is always great yeah. is has struggled. Then maybe, maybe I'm going to struggle. Yeah. And, and sometimes that can, you can like you say, you get in your own head, and, and you need to get out of your own way. Mm. Um, but I generally find that within 20 seconds of being on stage, I've kind of forgotten all oh, that's washed away. Yeah. Um, and even if if something goes kind of tits up on stage, I'm confident enough now to laugh it off and move on. Yeah in the moment than rather than go away and wonder what happened. I suppose the, the, the biggest challenge I have, and I, I don't know whether you'll be at this stage yet because of the number of gigs you've mm-hmm. done is um, the anxiety I get about trying new bits um, is quite tricky because I don't do a lot of new material nights because I tend to MC sure. a lot or, or do my established set. I get quite anxious about, um, having written something new, not necessarily one-off, so like little tiny gags or one throwaway gags, but if I do a new sort of chunk of material, yeah. um, I've got I've got two bits that I wrote during the height of lockdown, but I've not properly run out yet. Yeah. Um, and and actually now, I, just, I know I just need to go and do them, even if it's just horrible <laughs> to do a few times, because otherwise I'm never going to do them. And they're, I think they're actually solid bits, yeah. but I haven't, take had the chance and then I haven't taken the chance to go and just do them um and actually at one night I was at a a new material night which was by a really good established promoter um up here in Leeds or near Leeds um and um a couple of people who are quite established acts had gone on and done new stuff and and struggled and because I was wanting the promoter to see me do well and because I had a gig coming up that was a paid gig um I went and did tried and trusted material to kind of um blow the dust off it Mm. if you like and now I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, kind of wish I'd spent that time doing something yeah, new. Yeah. Um, so I get a bit of anxiety about that. But generally speaking, I'm quite comfortable to go on and just do my sure. thing. Um, in terms of, of whether comedy helps or hinders your mental health, and obviously you have those potential couple of kind of down moments after a, a bad experience. But do you feel like comedy's helped you in any way with your mental health? Well, it's a tricky question, actually, because, um, yeah, as I say, it, it can be... I guess it can be like a double-edged sword because um, you get the highs from it, but then you also get the lows from it. I think it's a good, it's because it's a creative outlet. I think definitely it has helped me because I mean, medicine is not a creative um, industry in the slightest. And, yeah. Yeah, and nor, nor, nor should it be. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't mind, patient X, I'm just going to try yeah, something just, new before. Just try some new material. Yeah, see how it goes. <laughs> Um, so, <coughs> so you, yeah, I mean, it, it is important to have that sort of creative outlet. Um, and so, yeah, in that way, it definitely has, I think, I think having some aspect of your life, which is you have creative control over is really important. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and do, do you write a lot, or are you are you sort of just still performing the stuff you started with? Uh, obviously, you mentioned you, you've come up with a character, so are yeah. You, are you finding an outlet through writing? Yeah, definitely. I've I've written I think about um, four, maybe four or five sort of five minute sets that I've practiced enough that that I'm happy with. Um, yeah. But I've I, my thing at the moment is I'm finding I'm I'm getting I'm getting bored of my own material. Um, yeah to the point where yeah I, I, I maybe i sort of go off performing it a bit and then but then i think okay i've got to write a whole new set but then that comes with a whole new set of um you know a whole new rift of anxiety basically yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's a common i think it can be a bit of a common issue um and and one of the common things that happens among newer acts as well is the fear that that some people have a, a fear of doing the same material over and over mm. again and there's a, definitely a fine balance between, you know, thinking, you know, I'm going to do this this material perhaps a hundred times, yeah. you know, um, and also then but trying to avoid being that act who has been going for 20 years and is still doing material that did 10 years ago and hasn't really updated the set yeah, and the, yeah. the aren't updated and so on. So I think there's there's a balance to be struck, and I suppose it's the challenge is how when you've got stuff that's good mm. from a point of view of a performer when you've got stuff that's winning and is gold. How do you keep it interesting to yourself yeah. and still keep it as an asset in your arsenal? How do you make something being your wonder wall, mm. if you want to use that analogy, <laughs> some, but have you still enjoy doing the song and not think, fucking hell, yeah, yeah. I actually want to do my new stuff, but the audience only want the stuff then? Or, and the, I suppose the thing is as well that you, you're rarely likely to be playing to the same audience twice in short space of time. Yeah. So it's how you manage to keep it fresh. Yeah. And I suppose that's the iterative thing of tweaking, honing, tightening. Yeah. Um, and not getting bored by it. But I suppose that brings me to the next question for you, actually, is is what is comedy to you? Is it a hobby that's an outlet? Is it uh, uh, something that you want to, to do more kind of um with more of a career path in mind do you have ambitions in that in that area or is comedy your creative outlet that that helps you balance the demands of the day job? yeah i i think i definitely have um high sorry, what's the word i definitely have career ambitions in mind for it um i'm, I'm yeah. currently like I'm, I'm doing some other stuff as well i'm working on a um like a comedy podcast with a couple of guys and i'm i'm writing a short film and things um, so I definitely, yeah. I think I enjoy that. Um, it's it's a bit silly because I've, I've said I need a creative outlet, but now I'm I'm getting I'm trying to get to the point where it's actually not my creative outlet; it's actually my job. So then it, <laughs> then yeah. you'll stop enjoying it, you'll stop using it as a creative outlet. Um, but no, I, I think I definitely um, I definitely do enjoy it. Obviously, I'm not going to chuck in the towel on being a doctor anytime soon, but um, yeah. it is something I would like to do more of in the future. Yeah, um, and and. So then you're going to have that challenge, I suppose, in terms of how you keep it fresh, yeah. But don't have to write new stuff every day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you should be writing every. I mean, comedians should be writing every day. I don't write every day. I barely write every month. <laughs> um, but you know how you maintain that cycle of, um, you know, performing the same stuff day in and day out, and just not getting bored by it. Because if you get bored by it, and you're not enjoying it, then it's become a job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and although it can be a career, feeling like it's a job is something that we all probably want to avoid. Again, going back to the Jimmy Carr podcast I listened to earlier, and I've listened to him a few bits. I read his book. You know, he he was at, he got a reputation for being the hardest man, in, hardest working man in comedy, not the hardest <laughs> man in comedy, like probably Ricky Grover, um, but um, the hardest working man in comedy. Um, and that was because you know he had no no partner, no kids. Right. He he was out probably six nights out of seven every mm. week you know, or, you know he says that in the early days he was he was gigging more than 300 nights a Jeez. year and on those nights he'd be doing more than one gig a night because in london he could just yeah, yeah. he could shoot from one to the next and do three or four gigs yeah. a night and he'll have been doing the same stuff yeah definitely you yeah. know um and so how did he manage that i don't know um but that's that's interesting it's an interesting mm. challenge i suppose depending on the style of comedy you do I'd, I'm a, I'm sort of I go and do sort of anecdotal observational self deprecating yeah. stuff that allows me if I'm in the mood and I'm feeling capable of it to kind of 
go off on a tangent or do some crowd work around sure. it or and bounce off. And I suppose that's where I get my the stuff that brings me joy on stage is audience interaction and audience reaction. Yeah. So when I'm talking about you know um, I don't know you ham- having a, a, a cramp in your hamstring when you're in the in the the, the last stages of sex, <laughs> you know, and you get someone in the front row of the audience nudging their husband saying that happens to you. Which happens probably two out of three gigs for me. If someone will go, God, they don't, yeah. Yeah, and they, I know exactly what you mean. And sometimes I'll break off and I'll talk to them, and and then I'll come back to it, and 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 you can get absolute gold from yeah. that. And actually, you go away and you think that was the that was the, the highlight of the night, not just how the joke landed, but where it took me. Yeah. And um, so the, there's something to be said for that. I think that that boldness and when you get a bit more experience of how to veer off and and do other things, yeah. but. Um, in terms of, of what the future holds for your mental health and how and how is it at the moment? Obviously, we're coming out of we're not everyone sort of at the moment feels like it's post COVID. We're recording this beginning of November twenty twenty one. We're in a, oh, sorry, yeah, twenty twenty one. But we're just coming into the second winter of COVID, which we're being warned is going to be not pleasant, but not as bad as last year. <laughs> What's the situation for you like then in terms of your mental health at the moment? Um, I mean, it's so at the moment I'm actually not working. I've, I've taken a couple of weeks off because I um I'm basically just doing locum work. Uh, I sort of I, yeah. I go to a hospital for however long they need someone, and then I'll have a little bit of time off. Like a medical supply teacher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually probably the best thing I can do for my mental health because it, it, especially doing working full time in a hospital can really be very draining on you, especially if you're doing night shifts and and you know um working late into the night and things um so at the moment it's pretty good um but i need to it's one of those things you just gotta you just gotta keep focusing on you know you gotta keep doing it every day for yourself um which is something that i'm learning differently yeah um and in, in terms of i suppose how the pandemic is at the moment affecting you your daily life you're getting out and gigging at the moment or uh yeah i am um i've sort of um yeah as i say i've i've I've, had a bit of time off work and and subsequently i had a bit of time off off of comedy as well because i sort of went into a bit of a you know a dip mode where i'm a bit more low energy um i'm just trying to i think i'm just trying to recuperate a bit um and then i'll get back into it maybe um in a few weeks yeah so you're someone that definitely feels like sometimes you need a break from from yeah comedy as well as your day yeah, job. Yeah, definitely, I think so. Yeah, I can understand that. I think sometimes I get like that and, and I'm in that sort of mode at the moment where I'm not really, I've got a few things coming up and, and I'm I am applying for a few bits and looking for a few bits but not not taking loads yeah. on. Um not falling out of love with it but just feeling a little bit jaded or tired of it at yeah. the moment. So I think that's something that that I definitely relate to. Um it's very again when you talk about you mentioned earlier about the competitive and sort of comparative elements of, of when you're in medical mm. training and comedy is very much like that. And when you can see people, it's that time of the year when everyone's talking about what awards they've won yeah. and, you know, the success of this and they're planning this for next year and stuff like that. And you can, it's very easy to judge yourself against those mm. people um, and, and, and hold yourself up and think, Oh God, I'm not achieving this or that. And, and it, again, it's about getting out of your own head. I yeah. suppose. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. So I suppose my advice would I feel like I'm patronizing <laughs> you because but my my advice would definitely be to, you know, curate your social media carefully, mm-hmm. recognize those times when you need to take a bit of a break, um and um and don't listen to the sort of the the chanters who will will go and do a gig in front of two people who didn't laugh once and tell you they've just performed live at the Apollo <laughs> level of comedy. You know, it's and that that happens unfortunately. It's not you know most people in comedy I've found really supportive, yeah. really honest, um, whatever. But just I suppose just if you're in a situation where occasionally you're already feeling like you need to take a bit of a break mm. from it, is just to be mindful that that that's not going to go away. If anything, it'll probably get more common or more frequent, and just. Yeah. Surround yourself with the best people, I suppose. Get, have you got any comedy buddies? Yeah, I do actually. I've, I've I made a few during the um, during my course, and I've made a few over the um, yeah over the over the gigs that I've done. So yeah, it is it's, yeah. it is really good actually. What, the other night, one of our gigs was cancelled, and and we all ended up just sitting there having a beer, and um, it was actually really nice just to just to chat about your experience going up on stage and see how everyone else is feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's the one bit of advice I would give to anyone at any level of comedy is, is just, you know, choose, choose your friends wisely and not just from a sort of a sinister point of view because it's not, 
you will get some people who are a bit sort of um, cunty about yeah. stuff, but um, <coughs> it's really good to have someone that you can message out of the blue and just say, oh, this just happened, or did you see what someone else said and how that's this is how that's made me yeah. feel, or is it just me, but, you know, those kind of conversations... Sure. Quite often they're just a good sounding board, and you know I've I've certainly got one or two people like that. One one particularly, <laughs> um, you know, a couple of people that I'm really close to who, who were it not for them, occasionally I would have probably come close to jacking it in. At yeah, times. sure. Um, just because I suppose we can be, especially if your mental health is in play, it can become a little volatile at times in terms of your decision making. Mm. Um, so. But you know, it's great. It's really good. What What's the future? I mean, you, you talked about you you're writing a short film. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Um, so essentially, <coughs> anything can tell it's about based that? on it's based on the the hero character that I was talking about earlier. I wrote it. I wrote yeah. it with one of my um, friends that I did the comedy course with. Um, we're in this. We're, we've finished all the scripts and we've we've filmed a teaser trailer and stuff. At the moment, we're just trying to find a, a producer to help get it made. And I've sent it off to a, a few different producers and just waiting to hear back. So um, excellent. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's uh, you know anything like that that supposes it gives you an opportunity to showcase what you can do. A new a new outlet for your sort of comedy thinking, yeah. um, and um, just stuff like that. I think could be anything that makes people's lives more interesting. You know, if you're enriching someone's life just by giving them, even if it's a you know fifteen minutes of of distraction yeah. these days, you know the the world is hungry for content. So I think it's really good that that you're doing something like that. Oh, so cheers. you know, I, I look forward to seeing something happen <laughs> with that. And 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 when you get back to to performing, is it pretty much basically in London that you, you, you tend to perform or are you looking to get further afield? Uh just just in London at the moment just for um just because that's where I'm working and living. Um yeah. I've I've i I did a gig in um Bedford about this time last year and I met a few comedians who were based up up sort of more north and I'm I'm friends with them now all on Facebook and I see that they're they're gigging around all the time. so I'd actually really like to yeah. get up get up north and, and try some stuff out up there, but it just depends on when I can do it. Yeah, the key difference I think from the sort of the the, the beginner level of comedy is, um, you know, stage time is still a premium, but you know, in the north you don't have the dreaded bringers and stayers, which are you know plague the London oh, scene. Really, huh? um, you don't have to bring your own audience. You don't have to stay to the end because you might not logistically be able yeah. to. So you know, and you get you generally get stage time on on merit. Um, so really you know, good. there's a healthy scene. <laughs> the further north you go, there's certainly healthy scenes in the Midlands. Um, Yorkshire, where I'm based, Lancashire, Merseyside. There's there's loads of really good comedy yeah, scenes yeah. around, and what I've started to want to try and do is maybe take a few days off now and again and just go and hit a few of those places, get a few back to back gigs, and and experience what those those areas are like, and get to know those comics as well, yeah. and um you know and get your face out there as well. That's, yeah, yeah, that's really good to do. And you meet you, again, you'll meet more like minded like minded people and um, broaden your horizons a bit. So that's oh, really cool. good. Um. Last question for you, Nick, because um, I think we're coming to the end of our mm. time, um, and it's it's probably one that I normally know how people are going to answer it. I think I know with you, but you are one of the newest acts we've had mm. on. Um, most people have been going a little bit longer than you when they have them on, so I'm not sure. If I could wave a magic wand and take away all of your historical mental health issues and guarantee they would never come back in the future... And the price was you never do stand up comedy again. Would you take that deal? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> so this is, I think, this is episode twenty six, and it's twenty five one, with just one person saying no. Okay. Um, so, and I'm, I'm minded at some point to check back in with them and see if they've changed their mind. <laughs> if they're still performing. So, um, but that's good. And, and why, why would you not take that deal? Um, just, I just enjoy it too much. I think, and it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think it. It's it spurred me on to, to want to do it more. So yeah. excellent. Well, that's really good, um, Nick. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. You know, I, I don't want to patronise you by thanking you for all you do in the NHS, <laughs> but thank you for all you do in the NHS. No, um, you know, I know from from experience with my my you know family members who work in the NHS or have worked in the NHS, it, it can be a real thankless task. Um, you don't get paid enough. You don't get enough appreciation. Mm. Um, so appreciate what you're doing. Um, thanks for coming over from New Zealand. <laughs> um, and, you know, unlike many people in this country, I, I welcome positive immigration <laughs> like that. So thank you for oh, that. Cool. Um, and really good luck with both your mental health and your, your comedy in the future. Thanks Great. for talking to us Thanks today. so much.
So there you go, that was Nick. Um, that was really interesting to talk about all of the issues that he's had working in NHS, moving halfway around the world, starting comedy, global pandemic, yada, 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 um, all of that stuff. Uh, what a melting pot to be sort of thrown together and and, uh, and it was really interesting to talk to him. So thank you, Nick, and, and good luck for the future. Would be genuinely interested to hear what happens with his his character idea for the, the superhero without superhero capabilities. Uh, we have got some guests coming up soon. Um, still trying to book them in, but we've got the wonderful Frizz Frizzle. Um, if you don't know Frizz, uh, musical parody comedian, um, supremely successful on TikTok. Um, so we're going to get that booked in and, and record soon. Going to get Alex Leem on. Uh, we did record with Alex earlier in the year, and I lost the podcast because I'm a fuckwit. Going to get Alex on when he's um, happy to do it. And um, also have um, had a message from Andrew O'Neill to say that they are um, very happy to do an episode. So I'm going to try and book Andrew in. Um, I gigged, um, I opened for Andrew at the Huddersfield leg of their tour. Um, and one of, genuinely one of the most interesting, thoughtful, thought-provoking people, I suppose, I've met since I started comedy. Um can't wait to speak with them and can't imagine how I'm going to keep the conversation down to an hour. So um, we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, those, those are the names in the pipeline. Um, if you've got any suggestions for people you fancy getting on, um, drop me a line. And um, thanks for listening and let us know what you think. Take care. Bye. Sparks of Madness is a Gag and Bowman comedy production.